You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Thanks so much, Bill. My guest this week is Steve Baker of Spicefield Kitchen. That's the nonprofit arm of the company Spice Hospitality Group, and their mission is to build relationships between people and food. Steve works to change the way kids in particular feel about their fruits and vegetables. And the secret is engagement, getting kids connected to how and where their food is grown. He does that through making agricultural and culinary connections. And aside from being a lot of fun, the bigger picture is that this kind of early intervention contributes to better health, sustainability, and food access. Let's face it, if you're listening, you dig food. So let me tell you about the Cleveland Garlic Festival, August 27th and 28th in Shaker Square. It's a fundraiser for the North Union Farmers Market, and it is the best way to learn, taste, and purchase garlic. There are so many varieties there, most you will never see in a grocery store. And they're all grown regionally, most in Ohio. I'll be hosting the Top Chef Grill-Off competitions each day, and there's so much food to enjoy. Did someone say garlic fries? Plus, entertainment, a kid's area, vendors, and community engagement all around this ubiquitous member of the Onion family. Get details at clevelandgarlicfestival.org. All right, back to this week's episode. I spent a morning with Steve at Spice Acres, one of the historic working farm properties in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Chef Ben Biebenroth calls it home for his family, and Spice Catering uses the property for special events, and maybe you've even picked some asparagus or flowers there. The farm is where a lot of the magic happens, where kids meet up with Steve to get up close and personal with their food. Let's hear more about Spicefield Kitchen. Steve, it is shaping up to be a beautiful day here at Spice Acres. Before we dive in to this conversation about all of the things from an educational perspective uh, you're doing, let's give some background to this place. Why don't you set the stage for me and, and tell us where we are? Uh, Right now, we are on a 13-acre farm in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. We've had this farm now since 2014. So it's just a long string of of happenstance that led us to where we are. Uh, Back when we started the catering company, uh, Ben started it in his grandma's basement. Of course, with our commitment to community food systems and sourcing our food locally. Uh, As a result of that, we grew uh, into Spice Kitchen and Bar uh, and keeping that commitment Uh, The park approached Ben and asked if he was willing to take over this piece of land and run it. I was glad that you uh, said 2014. I felt like it was approaching 10 years, so we're not too far from that. You know, I live about five minutes from here, so I've had the pleasure of watching this property transform and become different things over the years. For a while, it was, you know, I remember when the Mangalitsa pigs were here, and this place was really built around supplying the flagship restaurant Spice with all kinds of things, herbs and vegetables. But I've watched it transform for a lot of reasons. Of course, COVID being a part of that, uh, personal interests and needs and just new directions. So that brings us here today. You're chief operating officer, but I feel like you wear just many, many hats, um, including a farmer's hat, an educator's hat. So let's start with what your role is here, and um, we'll sort of tee up the conversation we're going to have today about educating kids about where their food comes from. Ben and I have known each other for quite some time, since we were teenagers. Um, So when he started all this, of course, I was right there lending a hand. 
I've been an educator for 20 years now. Uh, I was a licensed social studies teacher and intervention specialist. So when I saw an opportunity out here to uh, build a program around what Ben was doing, because lots of folks really love to know what and how we grow. So we had this opportunity to share this with people of all ages. Uh, so that's led us to build this kind of educational programming both here at Spice Acres and, of course, in schools and classrooms across the region. Well, I did not know that you and Ben had such a long history. I didn't realize that you had known him for that long. And I did not know that you really started out as an educator, but not a farmer. Where did the love for the land and farming and being outdoors come from for you? Uh, those are the things that I've just been cultivating my entire life. Uh, I think my first garden I ever experienced was my grandfather's. I mean, even my mom had a rock garden, so at least I had a lot of experience weeding early on. The idea of agriculture and growing uh, food is something that we've been doing a long time. I've had a garden in my house personally for 20 years, um, so we continue to grow. Uh, and so that's where that passion comes from. Having friends like Ben and other chefs in the city of Cleveland is what has uh, taught me all the skills I have as far as culinary arts. Because mm. uh, that's what we do. Here we make that connection between where food comes from and we teach you how you can grow it and then of course what to do with it once you've grown it and you want to take it into the kitchen. We often joke around and say I can give you a butternut squash but you're, you're just going to compost it if you don't know what to do with it. Uh, so we teach people from the ground all the way to the plate. Uh, and then, of course, adding that nutritional content to it just to let people know what that awesome nutrient-dense food is doing for your body. I love it. Well, so the nonprofit arm of Spice Companies is Spice Field Kitchen. And if I understand it correctly, a core goal is to connect kids in particular to food through education and in some cases, you know, direct access to this farm here in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. You know, I spent some time working for Whole Foods Market, and we did tours a lot. And I remember when kids would come in from schools, daycare programs, just wherever. It was really telling and shocking at the time to me that I had kids that never had seen a pineapple in its entirety, its in its whole natural form. They um, they didn't know what a zucchini was versus a cucumber. I mean, I, I guess some of those observations are reasons why you created the program that that you did. So tell me about that program. We have programs that cover a lot of different areas and we really like to focus on whatever the school or community organization wants to do. Uh, one of our largest and oldest programs we run is called Understanding Our Community Food System. Uh, and it's something that we built with Parma City Schools, uh, one of our longest partners now, almost four years. Uh, we started as uh, with first grade STEM students, rebuilding their school garden space and then teaching them, spending 10 sessions in their classroom throughout the year and then working in their garden and, of course, spending time out here at Spice Acres uh, so that they could see two seasons of growing. They get to see what it's like in the fall and they get to see what it's like in the spring when we begin. Uh, I, I found that students often don't even know that a French fry is a potato <laughs> uh, or where it comes from. Uh, there is a lot of disconnection. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how disconnected some people, both children and adults, are uh, to where their food comes from. Uh, so that's what we work to, just kind of show them. And, and we want them to know that when you're eating nutrient-dense food, it's really good for their bodies. And then, of course, when you have nutrient-dense soil, you're going to get nutrient-dense vegetables. And, of course, you're going to have a healthy body. One of the reasons I created the CLE Foodcast is, of course, to illuminate interesting stories about people who grow, cook, and share food, but also to dive into some issues, not just in the industry, but about sort of 
the food ecosystem as a whole. So I, I think that's the core of what we're talking about is we connected to this national park, connected to this farm, connected to the resources and that we have personally, we have grown up seeing those connections, but there are a lot of populations that just don't. So I'm curious to know how you find groups, schools, participants to come to the farm through the program. Um, Just tell me sort of how that process works. Maybe track from the beginning of a group or an inquiry to bringing them to the farm and, and what that looks like. So a lot of it started organically. Uh, Our Parma relationship started with me reading the paper one morning and seeing that there was a town hall meeting at a school uh, with Feed Our Future, which is another nonprofit that kind of works out of the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. So I I was like, hey, I should probably go to this meeting. And I did. And uh, through that, I met Bob Gorman, who's a nutrition services supervisor over at Parma City Schools, who's really into farm to school. And I saw that they had a garden space. And so from there, we started just talking. He got me a meeting with the principal, and I pitched an idea of a partnership, uh, and it's grown ever since. We started with first-grade STEM students. Now we have first-grade, second-grade, third-grade, and this year we'll be adding the fourth-grade STEM students as well, Mm. which means I've worked with the same group of kids for the last four years now when it comes to them understanding how food grows and what their community food system does for them. Mm -hmm. So you're starting roughly around ages six, seven, and we're going to have them now up until, you know, 10, 11 years old. Wow. Okay. And when you first meet them, uh, what do they know? I mean, they're not too far from agriculture in Parma. You know, they probably have an average kid's experience. Although when I think about my first through fourth grade experience, I'm not too sure I was doing a whole lot on farms. I don't know if I was asking questions. Nobody was asking me to ask questions, you know. So how do they react that first time when you share some of this information? Uh, I think they're really open to it. And I love that age group. They, Even though they might be somewhat picky eaters, uh, what I've seen in my experience, especially with students that age group, Uh, The more experience they have with it, the more familiar they are. If they've had time growing something or spending time in the soil, they are more apt to try it and enjoy it and want to take that home. Uh, So just having fun and keeping it very playful. The students know that I'm never going to be upset or they're (laughs) never going to hurt my feelings if they don't like anything. That the number one and most important thing is that they try something new uh, when it comes to food because they never know what they're going to like. And from that, we've seen the parents coming back, sending emails like, you know, my child came home and they're demanding Brussels sprouts and I don't understand why. Uh, And then we can talk why. So they've seen the impact that we can have on. So we're changing the way these kids are eating, uh, which is what I think is fantastic. That is fantastic. So the Brussels sprout thing surprised me because that I was like 40 years old when I started eating Brussels sprouts. But so what are some of the like gateway veggies and things? I mean, I would imagine that, oh, here's a farm dog. I was waiting for a farm dog to show up. Hello, friend. What are some of those gateway veggies that kids like? Uh, I mean, I assume lettuce, carrots, but are there some that you're kind of like, yeah, you know what? They'll try just about anything if they're in the right mindset. Yeah. So snap peas were a great one. Kale was the eye opener. Uh, Our first garden experience at Pleasant Valley Elementary was with kale and the students kept harvesting kale. uh, And they're now willing to eat it raw, uh, which was great. They pull it right off the vine. Uh, So peppers. Cherry tomatoes, especially the sun golds, like the project we're working with Parma right now with, um, they really love those. Um, and variety of vegetables like that. Walk me through an experience here at the farm. I'm just going to set the stage when I arrived. I was watching Steve look very closely. 
at these plants. And I said, what are you looking for? And he said, um, caterpillars. <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden I was able to like see and understand. And he just thought it would be an interesting lesson for kids to see, you know, how that process works. When they come on the property, do you sit them down? Do you talk or do you immediately like dive in and get them walking through the grounds and just seeing what you do here? Uh, for our farm tour, and when we have students out here, uh, we try to get them out and moving uh, around the farm. we got about a quarter-mile hike around the property, and we like to call it a tasting tour. Mm. So depending on the time of the year that you're here, uh, there are a variety of things that are edible as we move around the park. So we get to see... Uh, the kids get to see how things are growing. They get to see our techniques and how we grow them. And then they get to taste what's seasonal at that time. Uh, we just had Akron Public Schools out here recently. Uh, they were here for the last nine days. Uh, and every day that they were out here, it seemed like there was something slightly different for them to taste. The first groups had blueberries. But through that time that they were here, blueberries went out of season here. But we moved right into raspberries. And our sweet corn is getting ready. So uh, we like to move them around and do what we call a tasting tour and just show them what and how we grow. So if a school or a group wants to set something up like this, how do they do it? So you can reach out a variety of ways. One thing we've just made is our uh, free online curriculum. So that gives a lot of classrooms exposure to what we do uh, as far as the community food system and seasonality. It'll introduce them to us as well as other local farmers in the area. Uh, we have our website, spicefieldkitchen.org. You can take a look at that, and you know, there's through our contact information there, and my email's at hello at spicefieldkitchen.org. You can reach out directly, or you can just pass that information on to your administrator or teachers uh, to see what they're willing and, and able to do, you know, because every district has different funding, different, uh, you know, availability. So, you know, it starts there. That was a, another question I had. You know, when I was growing up, I feel like I went on maybe like two field trips every year. And I, I really, my son now is an adult and I feel like he went on some field trips, but I wondered if that was still part of an educational curriculum in general, you know, other than like going to like Washington DC or, or Cedar Point or something like that. Um, are schools in a position where they are able to do things like this with you? Or is it a matter of getting parents and educators to speak more openly about their, their passion for subjects like you know, where food comes from? Uh, it runs the gamut. It, it varies depending on the school district. Uh, some districts can afford to have their students involved in this programming and, you know, pay for it. Other times we are looking and to very generous funders to help, you know, fund these programs uh, like the Martha Holden Jennings Foundation, which funds a lot of the work we do with Pleasant Valley Elementary, mm. uh, including the grant that we just won to do this year's worth of programming for understanding our community food system. So between private foundations, government grants, we are able to kind of put on this funding and we can choose. So if you're a school that wants to do this, but you don't necessarily have the funding, you know, through the, our, those types of programs, we're able to kind of fund or subsidize the cost of having this kind of programming both here on the farm and in their classroom. So let's talk about the online curriculum, Local Lessons for Growing Minds. That's uh, the beauty of online curriculums is that it can be accessible to anyone, not just people here in Northeast Ohio. I'm guessing that people have discovered it, found it. Tell me a little bit about what can be found there. Oh, we have over 70 enrollments now. And, uh, and you're right, it doesn't have to be a classroom teacher or a school. Uh, 
parents at home can enroll. It's free, and you have all these activities. So we have 10 lessons uh, that focus around a lot of seasonal agriculture. So uh, from, for example, in September, our harvest of the month is tomatoes, and it's everything about tomatoes. You have an interview with a tomato farmer. Uh, you get the activities that are around tomatoes that you can do. Interesting facts, uh, stuff that you can just download and do. Uh, so a family can do it. Absolutely. Amazing. I mean, because I would think that, uh, particularly over the summer, that would have been a really great thing for people to do. I know you can do it any time, but sure. as parents are, I know, like the neighbors next to me, their Brexville schools start later this year, and they're looking for things for their kids to do in August, you know, to kind of get them ready. And it's like prime growing time, prime harvest time. So that would be a really fun lesson to do with their Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. And then there's one for every month. Uh, so, And you don't have to do them in order. You can pick and choose how you want to do them. Uh, so, yeah, it's great, and you get to see these interactive videos, and like I said, you can be to far- not just farmers, but also producers in the area. Uh, in the farm-to-school movement, we got a lot of org- uh, companies that uh, help provide uh, things like pizza dough for schools that want to use locally made and sourced pizza dough for their school, mm-hmm. like uh, Dogo's is a great example. So we highlight Dogo's in one of our lessons, and you get to meet the uh, the creator of this company uh, and you know see what they do, and it's fantastic. Mm, interesting. Well, are schools in a position, I know, with purchasing and things like that, it can be very hard and cost prohibitive for them to source their items locally um, are there any schools that are doing that successfully that you know of? Oh, there are a lot of schools, both across the region here in Northeast Ohio and across the state. Farm to School Network is a national network, and we have one here, too, in the state of Ohio. Uh, and they actually have uh, ways, and when you get involved with Farm to School, they'll help you with uh, sourcing bids or figuring out how to deal with the labor hours that, of course, are going to be increased as a result of trying to process fresh foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are barriers to bringing fresher foods into your uh, cafeteria, but there are also solutions to those. And you have people out there like Feed Our Future and the Farm to School Network that would help a district uh, be able to kind of get beyond those uh, challenges and turn them into opportunities. Well, that's fantastic, and I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about things that are out there, resources, but I didn't know that uh, there were resources like like Dogo's. I mean, that's a really, I, I guess that's a, just another reason why schools, parents, um, educational networks would want to connect with you to understand, um, or at least as a starting ground of all the resources that actually exist. I think it's just really starting to ask questions. I want to go back uh, to the experience of kids when they come here. I'm guessing that you have a couple of fun stories, maybe some memorable moments when you realize, like, you know, you've had sort of these eureka moments with kids, and maybe you've just been particularly gratified that your work here has taken this direction. Is there anything that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, every time we got a new group out here, it's a new dynamic every single time. Uh, just to use a more recent one with the Akron public school system, a student got off the bus and they just simply said, well, this looks like a lot of nature. Are we going to be in the nature today? And I, you know, responded, yeah, we're going to be doing quite a bit of the nature today. And so, you know, people are just kind of first off a little bit overwhelmed by the green or the quiet or the lack of quiet with all the buzzing animals and bees and insects and things like that. Uh, the other things that really strike me is like student gardens or students sending families sending emails and pictures about what they're doing. Uh, we just recently posted uh, on our Instagram account uh, from 
students that are volunteering with their families at the Pleasant Valley garden space that they have there. And they just harvested a bunch of zucchini because, of course, everything that we grow here that's grown by the Spice Field Kitchen is grown solely for the benefit of the public. We give it all away. We don't sell any of the produce that we do. We mark how much we're growing and we give it away. So we're getting pictures back from these families that are making amazing zucchini breads, uh, fried green tomatoes. It's, it's fantastic. Hey there, it's Lisa, and I'm interrupting this podcast episode with a short announcement. The Greater Cleveland Food Bank is thrilled to bring back Taste of the Browns, a food-focused fundraiser at First Energy Stadium on September 12th. Graze dozens of restaurants and beverage purveyors, grab a photo inside the stadium, bid on some fantastic and one-of-a-kind auction prizes, all to support the work of the Cleveland Food Bank, which is expanding this year to a brand new facility to help even more members of our community have access to healthy, nutritious food. Grab a ticket and let's tackle hunger here in Northeast Ohio. Find information and tickets at greaterclevelandfoodbank.org. So Spice Acres has changed over the years and it continues to evolve, which is really important. It's important to be nimble, especially coming out of, you know, the last couple of years when we... Amen to that. Right? We all saw in different ways how our food system worked, didn't work. Or um, still isn't working. Or still isn't working. Exactly. So what do you see next for the property here? What are you working on? I, I think I can mention, because I've been in touch with some folks, I think I can say that you know, with Booms Pizza coming online and some new entrepreneurial pursuits of Ben's and the team, um, what role does the farm play in all of that? Or is the farm kind of this, not independent entity at this point, but do you see the farm going more into that direction of education and experience for schools and let's say other nonprofits, other learning opportunities? Sure. What the farm ends up becoming is, you know, solely... It's hard to tell now. I know that we'll continue to grow and keep bringing people out here and teaching them as long as we can, but the field kitchen isn't based solely here. I mean, our work is all around the region in schools and classrooms, uh, so we can take it anywhere. Uh, we just want to keep bringing folks out here, and we'll keep this space beautiful. I mean, we're going to take a tour, and I'll show you exactly what I show the students when they're out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most important thing, whether we have the farm or not, no matter what we do, it's demystifying this idea of food and and connecting the folks to the idea of how simple it can be to do these things at home and do them for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not a chef. I'm not a farmer. I'm an educator. Uh, so it's my job to show people how easy you can do it. DIY or doing it yourself is the most important thing to me. Uh, when I can show this, if I can do it, anybody can do it. When we talk about how there's massive food shortages and supply issues, then this becomes, to me, teaching people about food security and equity. You have these skills, which I often feel as a social studies teacher, as a student of history, um, that we have lost, Mm -hmm. a generation that has lost an understanding of where food comes from and how we feed ourselves. When we teach ourselves these games and we reclaim these things, we are making ourselves more equitable because we now can provide these foods for folks ourselves. And, uh, you know, you're creating food security for yourself, your family, your community. Well said, Steve. We have a lot of different people that listen to this food podcast. We have a lot of local chefs and people in the industry, but we also have people that are, you know, still very food curious. Um, And I imagine we have some people who listen who have kids at home. So this is going to run in mid-August. You know, again, 
peak growing season, but the end of the planting cycle or one planting cycle and sort of the beginning of the other. What are some things that some people can do at their house? Like right now, my basil's starting to look pretty bad. Uh, for the first time, I've had successful tomato tomato growing in, in pots, and I've got I'm gonna th- I think I'll have like eight tomatoes. I will tell you, they do not taste anything close to a, a, a great farm market tomato, but I was pretty proud to get those done. But the point is, um, is that I tried. I always try Absolutely. to grow a couple of things. You know, I have an herb pot. I have the tomatoes. You know, maybe next year I'll try some peppers or something like that. What are some things right now that some people listening could, you know, start at home and enjoy uh, before the snow flies and some things that they could do with their kids maybe? Oh, man. So if you're planting in pots at home, you can do a variety of things. I mean, if you wanted something that was easy to use, start with herbs, something that you can just pull and add into your cooking in the kitchen. Uh, So choose your favorite herbs and things like that. So with basil which is great, and a lot of people's basil, including ours, can start to get a little wilty, or what you'll notice is it's starting to bloom. Yes. In other words, the flowers are coming out. So you want to pinch those off so that you can promote the leaf growth, mm. right? Okay. So you understand, in general, how a plant goes. If you want the leaves, then you want to pull off the flowers. Uh, of course, the tomato, you want the flowers because you want the tomato That's to come right. out of it. Yeah. So a lot of things, now we're moving, and, and one of the things we really teach folks is uh, seasonality of food in Northeast Ohio. A lot of folks will like to put their garden in, and Memorial Day, they grow to, you know, the end of September or whatever, their garden tends to, you know, start to look bad, and they'll tear it all out. But we want folks to know that you can start in March. Mm-hmm. With, there are things that once the ground is workable, you can start to plant. Mm-hmm. You know, your turnips, carrots, brassicas, which means your kales, your uh, broccolis and things like that and now that we're into august there are things you can absolutely put it in the ground so that you can start growing into early fall uh so your carrots you get kale you can start your next run of snap peas uh, all these things that enjoy a little bit of cooler weather my personal favorite is potatoes i grow a lot of them um i love them because you don't necessarily need a pollinator for a potato right even though it will flower uh, you don't necessarily need it. You can grow it in your own kitchen, inside or in your classroom, in a bucket if you wanted you to. You can? You can yeah. grow a potato in a bucket and in it's your actually, kitchen? It's, it's much easier because you get every single potato. Anybody out there who's ever planted potatoes, you know that when you harvest them, <laughs> you don't always get every single potato out of there. Uh, so next year you find one growing out uh, that's a volunteer. Uh, so if you start in a bucket, you can harvest all of your potatoes and you can reuse that soil. Uh, so bucket potatoes and sweet potatoes are a great thing that you can do throughout the entire winter, uh, which I think is awesome. Uh, and again, even as we're going into winter, if you have a small herb pot that you can put in a you know, south-facing window in your house, then you can probably keep your herbs going all year round and things like that. What about, um, what about lettuces? Are lettuces over at the end of the summer? I, I, I feel like that's a next, next move for me. Is some, um, some real, I, I get very envious of people who are growing. Yep. Uh, because for one, it just seems like once you grow some lettuce, you, you harvest it, you trim it, it just keeps self-perpetuating. It does. You could do that cut and come again kind of technique for it, uh, where if you harvest it, it'll continue to grow at least two or three times, usually, if you're lucky, uh, before it goes in bolts and starts to go to seed and flower. Mm-hmm. Um, so your lettuces are generally pretty quick growing. Uh, so you're looking at, you know, a month, give or take. So you can put them in the ground. And the thing is, is they don't necessarily like 
a lot of high heat and mm-hmm. high sun. Mm-hmm. So you got to be cautious. So they're really good in the early, you know, late spring and they're starting, you know, it's good now. I mean, if you can keep it shaded, mm-hmm. uh, you can get away with growing it in the summertime. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a quick growing so you can harvest it. And then what we really talk about is like maybe doing su- succession planting for your t- uh, lettuces, which means that you're going to have whatever area you're growing in, just plant a little bit, give yourself a week, plant your next portion oh, of it. Oh, that makes give sense. Give yourself another week, plant another portion of it, and then you'll have lettuces in different stages so you can harvest that first one, replant in that area, and then you'll have your second, third, and just keep kind of going in succession. That makes perfect sense. This is why I need to hang out with, uh, with farmers and educators much, much more than I do. Well, I'll tell you what. I cannot wait to uh, do the, the quarter mile or so farm tour with you and share some of that on social media with CLE Foodcast listeners. It's just been such a pleasure to have to drive down Riverview Road. I, I drive past here even when I don't really need to, just to take a look and see what's happening, to look at the house, the barn, the property. And um, I'm just really looking forward to see what what Ben, the Spice Kitchen team, the catering team, Booms Pizza, oh, you, yeah. Steve Baker, all of the things that are coming up. I, I just feel like... Uh, Onward to better things, right? Absolutely. And if you're coming down Riverview Road and you pass our farm stand, stop and grab some produce. We'll have stuff out there all season long. And like I said, it's free for the general public. You know. It's amazing. Well, I know that you were doing some you pick, you pick asparagus. I have come down here to pick some flowers. I can see in the distance right now that your, your flower patch is beautiful. And um, I'm not going to lie, I kind of miss those pigs. But I, I think they were real pains in the ass. <laughs> Uh, we all miss the pigs. Uh, we don't miss the work involved with caring for the pigs. I mean, it gets cold here in Northeast Ohio in the wintertime, and those yeah. pigs still need to get taken care of. And the chickens, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think that they were, I just remember talking to Ben once about them, and they seemed like they had some, let's call them, they had some big personalities, those pigs. Oh, they did. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all of them. And I still remember the very first one we got, and, uh, you know, I still see pictures of her popping up every now and again on, on the old Internet. Uh, if you search Spice Acres, you'll see, you'll see her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I can see in your eyes that wistful longing for some pigs. Maybe you have to get some pigs again. But, uh. well, I think that's probably unlikely. But let me close with this. The next iteration or maybe something that you're going to introduce, um, you know, in the next calendar year, is there anything that you can uh, sort of tease us with? Yeah, we're just expanding our programming. Well, we're getting deeper with Parma City Schools. We're expanding our programming with strategic partners like Urban Squash Cleveland, which we work with a lot. Uh, they're student athletes. Uh, we've expanded to other schools like St. Martin de Pores uh, on East on St. Clair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a garden space out there. So we're just expanding our partnerships. Uh, and we'd really like to continue doing uh, one of the fun things that we've done since COVID hit and we learned was a real value for families was our family cooking nights. Uh, so Spice Field Kitchen then, you know, sets it up with families through a school. We'll create a recipe. We'll source all of the ingredients. We pack it and we send them to homes to families. They meet us online and we do a cooking demo together. And it's just a great opportunity for families to just spend time together in their own kitchen doing a fun activity with their kids. So we do a lot of those and we're going to continue to do that this year uh, and just keep on growing. Amazing. There are so many resources that in schools, uh, groups, nonprofits, and just Average people like me can take advantage of. Um, I have seen some of those videos. You guys are great. You use all of the tools in the educational toolbox for sure. 
and I can't wait to see where you go next. Steve, thank you so much for being on the CLE Foodcast. Oh, Lisa, thanks for having me. It's been a great time. I appreciate it. All uh, right, let's go walk the farm. Oh, all right. And mind you, all those sunflowers out there planted by second and third graders in the spring. Amazing. Well, I might try to twist your arm and take a few of those home. <laughs> The CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork and the Road Productions, and my sound engineer is Bill Connors. Thanks so much to Chef Douglas Katz for being a monthly sponsor of the CLE Foodcast. We'd both like to remind you to shop local, especially at this end of summer season when farmers markets and other locally owned stores are full of the best produce and more. Be sure to get fruits, vegetables, and all of the other things like locally made jams, mustards, granola, nut butters, pasta, sausage, wine, and, well, you get it, just about everything you need is made right here in Northeast Ohio. Be sure to follow me on Instagram for more food adventures, updates, and stories about Northeast Ohio food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. And do your best to stay cool in this heat wave. Remember, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.